Picture this. The journey ahead starts here together, and together we can build a brighter future. You are listening to Illuminating Hope, a podcast of Hope House. Welcome to the Illuminating Hope Podcast. Today I'm here with my co-host, Marianne Matheny, CEO of Hope House, and Randa Hager, Director of Outreach Services. And today we're going to talk about stocking. January is the 20th annual Stocking Awareness Month, which was originally founded by a sister of Peggy Clinky, a stalking homicide victim. And if you want to understand stalking, stalking is criminal, it's traumatic, and it's dangerous victimization. Randa, do you want to jump in and talk about stalking and the different facets of stalking? So we often think of stalking as a crime that happens to not necessarily a domestic violence victim. Hollywood often glamorizes it. You, you see different movies where someone's following someone, they don't take no for an answer, and often the clients and victims that we come in contact with, all of them will tell you that at some point in time they've been stalked by their abuser, by their partner. It's very, very scary, incredibly scary, and more so whenever they would leave the relationship. That's when we see it happening more often and it becomes more and more scary when they do leave. Do you want to talk a little bit about post-separation abuse and stalking? Well I think it just it's terrifying because it's deadly Right. and I think when you are talking about post-separation that's when we know that that's a very dangerous time for domestic violence survivors because those efforts to regain that control to get that control back in that relationship then those efforts have to be increased and so they're going to greater lengths to try to get that person back into the relationship. So the stalking behaviors then escalate and you're really looking at very dangerous things and I think, you know, Randa, you and I were talking previously that it's not just the following in a car or right. you could also be thinking about the multiple phone calls, the thousands of messages that get left or the texts or the emails, but also our society has just continued to change and now the ways that those electronic ways that people can be stalked and can be followed and monitored is really what it is, really continue to change on a daily basis. And I think we, as service providers, have to stay up on that as much as we can so that we can make sure that we can help safety plan and we can help those people that we're working with know how to help mitigate some of that or how to help get ahead of it. I heard a story from someone actually who works with us every day. I was talking to her the other day and her stalker used a burner phone. And even when the police tried to call that phone number, back. It was not even an existing phone number that showed up on her phone. So every number that this person used this burner phone was different. And Google Voice is the same thing. You can get a different phone number just by getting a different phone number. It's as easy as a click of a button. Makes it difficult. And the apps, the apps that are out there. And I think one of the things that we often talk about is that technology can be so wonderful and it can make our lives easier and it can really help advance us as a society. But we often see the flip side of that and how the technology that can be so helpful. So example, we're all parents. As parents, it's really helpful, at least it is for me, to know with my daughter's permission, I can know where she is because she shares her location. And so I can keep track of her if I, especially like if she's traveling and I want to make sure that she's okay. I do that as a parent, out of love, out of concern, and also with permission. As a safety tool. As a safety 
safety tool, right. but never would do that without her permission. The problem is on the flip side of that is that that bat can also be used to track someone without their knowledge, without their permission, and be used in a way to not monitor and to ensure safety, but to ensure control about movements and knowing where that person's going to be, knowing what they're doing, and how to minimize what they're able to do, what help they're able to see, who they're able to connect with. So we often see that the flip side of the technology being used in a negative way when, for the most part, people see it as such a positive thing. Caller ID is a prime example of that as well, which we don't have caller ID anymore, obviously, with right. our cell phones. And But when caller ID first came out, everyone was like, oh my gosh, now I know who's calling. And it was wonderful. But for us, it was really a negative because it was, again, then being used as a measure to maintain that power and control over right. someone. One thing that I find so interesting, and I've always found so interesting, is stalking is controlled and it's strategic. So mm-hmm. it's not something that just happens. Right. It's actually strategic. It's planned. It's a pattern of behavior to cause a reasonable person to fear for their safety. I was speaking to our COO, Eileen, when it comes to stalking, because it's just amazing some of the things that happen. Air tags in car seats, when you're switching car seats I mean, around. I mean, that's happened. It's happened, Tina. You know, we work with clients. We have the Guardian Program, our Visitation and Exchange Program. I remember when the client said, I thought it was really weird that he wanted to help me get the car seat out of his car and into my car and help me. And that normally doesn't happen during exchange. And this was at the police department before they were in our services. So, and then the next thing you know, he's everywhere she is. And come to find out through assistance, we were able to find that there was an air tag that was put behind the seat. So these things are happening. They're happening every day and they're happening on a scale that isn't always prosecutable. Hard to prove. I think that's where it becomes a really a big issue is how do you prosecute those things whenever it's hard to prove. So can you talk about one of the big pieces of what we do is help help our clients to safety plan. What are some things that we can help a client with who's experiencing stalking? Well, right off the top of my head, one of the things that we do, the advocates do, is when they work with a client, any client, even if a client, often clients don't define stalking within that relationship. They don't see it that way, right? They just say, they're following me all the time. They're calling me all the time. They're hacking my emails. They're doing these types of things. One thing that we do is provide them a stalking and that's in a sense, it's a journal and it's able to, sh- it's it's interesting. The mind is a wonderful thing, right? It, but in your mind, you're thinking these things aren't really happening or I'm not really sure. I don't think it's a big deal. I'm not sure. Once you put them down on paper, you realize there's a pattern here. And so it's easier for not only the clients that we work with to see that pattern, but it's also easier for law enforcement and prosecutors to see that pattern. And so once that pattern starts developing, it's a little bit easier to talk to law enforcement. We've had victims that will say things like, I've come home and there was a wine glass full of wine on the counter but nobody broke in. I mean, what am I going to do? I'm going to call the police. They're going to say, hey, you're crazy. Maybe you poured that wine before you left and you just forgot about it. The client knows that someone's been in their home. So if they can write down those type, those incidents, that can start that pattern, showing that pattern. Another thing that they can do is if they have access, it is technology. And again, good thing, bad thing, but we have access to those ring cameras. If you can see that your abuser is coming up and down your street multiple times on your camera and they have no reason to be there, you don't you don't share children, there's no exchanges going on, then that, again, is something that the prosecutors can take a look at and law enforcement can take a look at. 
but most importantly, it is just talking with them about making sure, just like I know Marianne had talked about using your phone as a safety tool, that's an option for you to also have a safe person that you can use that as a safety tool with them. So checks and balances, making sure they know where you are and you know where they are and things like that. That's another way to stay safe. One of the things that comes to me too is those logs can also show an escalation right. that's happening yes, right. as well. When things are happening over time and they're happening, maybe it's not apparent necessarily, but if you can look at that log and you can go, oh, right. well, this is happening more frequently. It's happening every day now, not every other day. It's happening. And you can start to see that then those patterns and that, again, can help you safety plan, right? but it can also help you if there's a desire to prosecute or to get help from that legal perspective. And it's hard. You know, we say safety planning all the time. We say safety plan, safety plan. And it's really difficult just to, we can throw out ideas all day long about safety planning, but it really has to form to fit the person. Everybody's situation is different. They have similarities. Obviously, we talk about the cycle of violence and we talk about the wheel. And that's great, but everybody's situation is different. For example, I don't drive the same way to work that everybody else does, right? So my route to work is going to look different. So safety planning around that, what does that mean? What is the, the closest police department to me? Whenever I'm, Where are the police departments? my way to work. So things like that, those are going to look different to each individual person. So it's just important. And again, just like Marianne said, looking at that stalking log and you show a pattern, but it's really interesting what comes out of some of those logs too. Things that you didn't think could possibly be evidence could be evidence. So it's really important that victims are able to journal that information down. I think one of the things that I think we hear is people feel like they're going crazy. They're losing their minds. When you hear someone say, I got into my car and I smelled coffee. Okay, that's not really that big of a deal. However, if you don't drink coffee and you know that that means that that person had just been sitting in your car drinking coffee, and what were they trying to do? They were sending you a message. And that message is, I can get to you. I can get to you at any time. There's nothing you can do. You're not safe from me. And the terror that that can elicit from someone, that's the part that I think we have to be very aware of, is that you cannot take this lightly. This is serious, serious business when somebody is going to the level of stalking their intent and they are serious and that person really is causing danger to the person who they're stalking. I mean, you talk about fear. You know, one of the things that I do talk about whenever I do trainings, even in the community, not just law enforcement, but in the community, one of the things I say is if I got a text message right now from my husband that said, I miss you, I love you, and I can't wait to see you. I'm like, this is great. We're going to have a great night. Dishes are getting done. Dinner's Um, cooked. Dinner's cooked. Laundry's folded. This is fantastic. I'm putting my feet up. But if same text message and I'm a victim of stalking, I mean, the terror that that would be, what does that mean? When are they going to appear? So again, those type of messages Unfortunately, if you show that to a judge, that doesn't seem offensive. But to a victim of stalking, that's incredibly scary. Because it's not an outright threat. Right. When you look at it, you don't see the threat. It's not if it comes across as, I'm going to kill you tonight. Okay, that's pretty clear. But that same intent was behind that text, but it wasn't said that way. Right. So that's where, again, I think when you can put it with the pattern and you can have evidence around the intent behind it, that's what's so important. But I think that's the part, too, that if somebody's coming to you and telling you these things, you have to believe them and you have to listen and don't go, what's wrong with you that you don't want your partner to say those things to you? Exactly. Really understanding what's beneath that. 
the emotional and psychological effects are just off the charts when it comes to being a stalking victim. And victims often, you're right, second guess themselves. The sad thing is, is society really needs to get this picture because sometimes they can aid on the emotional distress of a stalking victim. I watched a webinar about somebody receiving flowers and their knees were buckling and they were scared and all of the co-workers and everyone was saying, oh, this is wonderful. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you're so upset. Why are you so upset? Well, she'd gotten a text that said, these will be your last flowers. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. So the co-workers weren't curious enough to see why in the world she's so upset about these flowers when she knew even walking out the building, he could be in that parking lot. She didn't know. So it's interesting that we as a society, I think the word curious, and Marianne and I have heard this word curious on our podcast a lot. We just need to be more curious about why the reactions are what they are. And I think stalking is definitely one of those. I think looking at the why. Absolutely. I I think when we can ask what is the why behind it, then we can really understand things a lot better. I think, you know, we've said this over and over and over again. Domestic violence is complicated. It's ugly. And it's dangerous. So many facets. So many facets to domestic violence. And stalking is one I think that we don't spend enough time talking about and the dangerousness of stalking. Post-separation, my abuser stalked me. And somebody finally had to tell me because it was so bad. He is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere. He wants you to feel like he is. And um, so that was great for me because I just needed to know, okay, this person is a human. He's not everywhere like he claims to be. But I also think, too, when you think about the different devices that people have access to now, Mm -hmm. that they can be in more places than ever before. Watch you on your phone. They can be tracking things. They can track your person. They can follow you on your car. They can be watching you on your computer. And now that the people are installing cameras and, and people don't know it. People don't, especially if you've been in a relationship with that person. Right. And they've had access. You guys have shared living spaces. It's very possible that there are things in that house that you're not aware of that are used to monitor you. Absolutely. And of course, my story ended 23 years ago. So the technology wasn't there yet. So I can't imagine Mm -hmm. what victims today, and we're not even talking about just adult victims, but they're teenage stalking. Absolutely. Uh, And we have, you know, using forms of social media to track down and have power and control over a a teenager. Because a new social media account is so easy just to create and delete and create and delete. Well, and again, what you're saying, on social media and the message that you're sending and what is the intent behind that message. I think you can't underemphasize that. I think the other thing that, again, thinking about our cars, we all have apps now that you can start your car, you can set your alarms, you can set your house alarm from your phone. Just think about that happening from someone that you're no longer in a relationship with or that you're trying to escape from and they're doing those things. They're starting your car, shutting your car off or setting your alarm. When I mean, all of those things that can happen that you have no control over that until you are able to separate those kinds of things, those apps and and those connections that you've had with that person. 
I don't like to talk a lot about stats because I like to get down to the real stories and talk about real people. But I did find one of these stats so important. 81% of women stalked by a current or former husband or cohabitating partner were also physically assaulted by that partner. And the average length of stalking, the average length, 2.2 years. Like they don't have something better to do, these abusers. Going back to that, Tina, think about that, that if you have these kind of behaviors that are happening to you consistently for two years, imagine the drain and the strain that puts on you as an individual. The exhaustion. Mm -hmm. The exhaustion alone. Mm -hmm. And then also, just like going back to what you said earlier, a lot of the victims feeling is that no one believes me. And so when you add, you throw a top of a, a little exhaustion on top of that, very easy to get worn down. Absolutely. And I think that's where the logs come in so handy is to be able to to write it down, to jot it down. It is so very exhausting. If there comes a time where enough is enough and somebody does go seek law enforcement, there is a Missouri state statute that states an officer can arrest on a stalking or harassment charge, be it probable cause. And so if that tool, that log can be used as probable cause, that can definitely help a victim a stalking victim. We were talking earlier about an air tag in a car seat and how it was found. What can Hope House do to help that victim of stalking and domestic violence so this doesn't happen again? Some of the things that we can do is we do have donations that we get new car seats so we can help with replacing advocates that work with clients that maybe can access some security items and we do have some of those things and some donations for those those types of things to maybe help and also that safety plan and then talking through with them what that log is and what that looks like and what that means. So um, there's several things that we can do to assist. Let's talk about some safety tips. What are some practical tips for preventing stalking? I think, Randa, you touched on it earlier. Just if you can find someone to confide in and talk to who understands the situation and can be your safety person. The log, of course, is, is, I think, really, really very important. But I think also having that person to talk to to help you to, normalize it and make it you're not imagining this you're not losing your mind you're not making things up because you've got this person who you've been talking to consistently who can help you to see the pattern and help you to recognize that this is happening outside of you and to me that is really critical to help someone to stay centered and to stay calm in that situation and I think having a safety plan in place with how to reach law enforcement making sure that you're aware of going and having your car checked Right. To make sure that you don't have a tracking device. Making sure you can take your phone in and make sure your phone doesn't have an app or a tracking device on it. Making sure your computer doesn't have some kind of software or a piece added to it that you weren't aware of. Making sure that you don't have you know, something in your house that you were not aware of. Having some sort of camera on the outside of your house to monitor who's coming and going. Just ultimately being aware of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like I said earlier, when I go to work, I may not drive the same way every day. I might take different ways, but also knowing the locations of law enforcement, knowing locations of where I can go if there was an incident on my way to work, on my way home from work. 
having alternative routes and knowing where your safety places are is incredibly important. And I think at, at your place of employment, right, if your supervisor can know what you're experiencing or someone at your place of employment can know what you're experiencing and can help making sure that somebody's not coming that's not supposed to be there or not, maybe you can have a special place in the parking lot that is less public. Just working with, again, you talked about it earlier, it's so individualized, but really talking with your employer about things that you could do to make sure that you're staying safe at work as well. And I think the biggest reason for this podcast, and we wanted to get together and talk about stalking awareness, is to encourage community awareness and involvement. If you think something is not looking right or doesn't seem right, be curious about it. A client that I worked with many, many years ago, I remember that her abuser was stalking her and she was like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to go and tell my neighbors all of my business. And I'm like, you don't have to tell your neighbors all your business. I understand. But can you at least talk to your neighbors and say, hey, if you see this truck and this description, they're not supposed to be here. Can you call the police if you see that this particular person shows up? Also, maybe you leave your front porch light on all night and all day, all the time. And yes, you have to replace the bulb quite often, but it's worth it. And you can tell your neighbor, if you ever see that light bulb off, then you need to call the police. And she did just that. And months went by. And one day her neighbor woke up at about two o'clock in the morning and that light bulb was off. The front porch light was off. They called the police. The police showed up and he had actually broken through and went to the basement and was coming up. And Oh my goodness. Yes. And was able to stop that. But things like that, those are things that can help. And so just by having that conversation, not necessarily putting all of your information out there, but hey, if you see this, call. Right, said that. That conversation not happened with a neighbor, they would have known, and who knows what could have happened. And if you don't know your neighbors, then that could be problematic, which is why we go back to it's very individualized. Right. And so talking with someone about your particular situation and what would work in your situation is so important. And I want to reiterate to the significance of Stalking Awareness Month. Stalking Awareness Month happened 20 years ago because of a victim, and we can be the voice of that victim today, even 20 years later, Peggy Clinky. Thank you for listening to Illuminating Hope, a podcast of Hope House. A special thank you to our newest recurring donor, Mary. Learn how you can support Hope House and domestic violence survivors by visiting hopehouse.net.